objection is heard. The senator will take her seat. You know, there's no group in America, I think, that's been hurt more by Obamacare than young people. Young people were left on the chopping block. Courts seem to be so political, and it would be so great for our justice system if they would be able to read a statement and do what's right. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. Caruso, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Wednesday, February 8th, 2017, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Thank you for being a part of this extravaganza on a busy, busy day. Um, a lot going on. You heard uh, Elizabeth Warren there. We'll get into all of that. Um, but just out before we uh, sat down to finalize everything for the podcast today um, that we were recording a little bit later, and that's kind of how it's going to be on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. We'll record a little bit later. Um, Senator Jeff Sessions has been confirmed finally as the Attorney General of the United States. So yesterday I was kind of ranting and raving about um, the Democrats' obstruction. Well, they're still obstructing, uh, but finally there's a attorney general, and, you know, you wonder if the attorney general was in place in the U.S. attorneys that Trump um, is nominating, uh, all in, if they were put in place before the whole dust-up with the immigration and refugee suspension, you start to wonder, you know, would there be a better um, rollout of this plan. And so, you know, that's a major question here because now it's in the court system. And we know that this week we're going to find out if Judge Robart in Seattle, whether or not his uh, restraining order on Trump's executive order that was law for a few days, is that going to be upheld? Uh, People, I'm seeing stories today People are flowing in from Somalia, Iran. People, students are flowing in or are getting back in the United States quick before this executive order, hopefully, is put back in place because it goes to the um, the case of extreme vetting um, that we need. We need to know who's in our country, and obviously, I've gone into detail on that. I even found today a story about uh, General John Kelly, who is the director of Homeland Security appointed by President Trump. And General Kelly said that he wants to look into social media accounts, that he wants the passwords for every single refugee and immigrant that comes in here, uh, that wants a visa. Um, He wants their social media accounts. And why not? Because we know, like in the case of San Bernardino, they use social media to plan terrorist attacks, and they're very sneaky in that, and they use the private messaging. So it's all done secretly. I'm all for that. And hey, if it keeps you safe, why not? Um, there was uh, a poll 
they discussed yesterday that actually President Trump tweeted out today after I discussed it. Maybe it had to do with me. I, I doubt it. But um, the morning consult uh, put out a poll that over uh, that 57 percent of Americans uh, actually want to know who's coming into our country and they want the immigration refugee suspension for 90 days, 120 days for refugees from terror nations. They want it. Um, and there was a study that other nations um, want similar plans uh, from the same uh, the same poll, and President Trump tweeted that today. It's very fascinating with this Twitter because you really you get it straight from the source, uh, which is unprecedented. And uh, President Obama used it in his campaign. Trump is using it in the presidency, and you really get um, an inside look. It's like a you know when we record this podcast, we actually do a Facebook Live so people see behind the scenes. And I think that to know what's going on behind the scenes again, straight from the person, is fantastic to to know what his thinking is, and you actually get the real, um, you know, you get the real news from the person. He creates the news every morning at six a.m. Uh, he's tweeting. So let's talk about Senator Sessions for a little bit. Um, the big argument against him uh, is that uh, he is a racist, which they call every Republican a racist. So, you know, the argument gets lost there. But I'll tell you kind of why, uh, what his record is. I'll give you the exact record so that you know. Because I mentioned it yesterday, he has an impeccable civil rights record. Um, and people love him in the Senate. But all of a sudden, the politics get involved. By the way, coming up, we will have uh, U.S. Army veteran Rance Mangum. We did a story on him. Rance is going to join me over the phone to chat a little bit, get a little update on him and talk about veterans a little bit. So that's coming up. Uh, we'll take a break at some point, call him and uh, and join, rejoin, uh, and I'll edit that so you, you don't hear when I call him. Um, <laughs> all right, Senator Sessions. Um, you know, it's worth noting here. Senator Ted Kennedy, who was brought up by Elizabeth Warren, um, Ted Kennedy on the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time uh, seemed heavily invested in tanking Sessions' nomination to the Senate. Uh, Kennedy's crusade was um, to sink Robert Bork's nomination to the Supreme Court. Um, that's where you hear the phrase "borking." Um, that's where that came from—a shameful smear campaign. Uh, ever since. Now, in 2009, Sessions himself said, quote, When I got to Washington, there had been an orchestrated campaign to smear my record, and it was executed with great care. And I frankly was a babe in the woods and wasn't sufficiently prepared for it. That's Sessions in 2009. So what happened in Alabama? He was an attorney there. Um, he, as U.S. attorney, prosecuted Klansman Henry Francis Hayes, the son of Alabama Klan leader Benny Hayes, um, for he prosecuted the Klansman uh, Henry uh, Francis Hayes for abducting and killing Michael Donald, a black teenager, selected at random. Sessions insisted on the death penalty, and when he became the Attorney General of the state of Alabama, Sessions followed through and made sure that the Klansman Hayes was executed. Um, the successful prosecution of Hayes also led to a $7 million civil judgment against the Ku Klux Klan effectively breaking the back of the KKK in Alabama, and they were no more because of Sessions' prosecution. Now, this is what Senator Warren was talking about, and you'll hear the clip in a little bit. You heard it in the introduction, and I'll play the full clip of what happened on the Senate floor 
yesterday, last night, as they obstruct. Um, as a U.S. attorney, he prosecuted a group of civil rights activists, which included a former aide to Martin Luther King Jr. for voter fraud in Perry County, Alabama. So, you know, Senator Warren is uh, reading this poem today, um, and or yesterday, excuse me, uh, on Tuesday, and, you know, well, it's a relative of Martin Luther King Jr. or whatever, and, and the charge is that he's a racist, and he's not, okay? Now, the person who wrote this, the former aide to Martin Luther King Jr., was obviously pissed off about um, this voter fraud case that Sessions pursued. And the case actually fell apart. Sessions bluntly said that he failed to make the case. The incident has been used to claim that Sessions is a racist, but it shouldn't be because the county has been dogged with blatant accusations of voter fraud for decades. In 2008, state and federal officials investigated voter fraud in Perry County after, quote, a local citizens group gathered affidavits detailing several cases in which at least one Democratic county official paid citizens for their votes or encouraged them to vote multiple times. That's what was reported in the Tuscaloosa News. Back in 2008. Now, in 2012, the Uniontown population in Alabama, uh, 1,775, according to the 2010 census. But in 2012, there were 2,587 registered voters. But the population was only 1,775, over almost 1,000 more Register voters than the population in this Alabama county. The total votes in the 2012 uh, election, 80.6% was to turn out. That never happens, not even for a presidential election. And it goes to show you voter fraud exists, as Senator Sessions took it seriously. And to charge that he's a racist because he went after civil rights activists, yeah, well, who pursued the case? African-Americans. So that's Senator Sessions' record. And then, you know, just to give you a, a flashback, remember Cory Booker, the uh, the senator from New Jersey who testified against Senator Sessions back at the Senate hearings? Well, he said this way back when. And so this is truly one of my life's greatest moments. I am humbled to be able to participate here in paying tribute to some of the extraordinary Americans whose footsteps paved the way for me and my generation. I feel blessed and honored to have partnered with Senator Sessions in being the Senate sponsors of this important award. This award is one of the highest civilian honors our nation can bestow, and it is clearly fitting to tribute to give this tribute to the courageous foot soldiers oh politics at its best and so now six of uh 15 of the top cabinet level positions have been filled seven were confirmed on day one of the obama administration and interestingly senator sessions he voted for eric holder to be barack obama's first attorney general so Senator Sessions didn't play the political machinations, but they're doing it to him. Now, here is Elizabeth Warren 
uh, on the Senate floor, was reading a, a letter that was obviously written in haste back in the time that um, Sessions pursued voter fraud. That is well documented. Here is Senator Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts. I ask leave of the Senate to continue my remarks. Is there objection? Object. I appeal the ruling. Object, objection is heard. The senator will take her seat. The senator will take her seats. And she was not happy, but she gets attention today, and that's what she wants. Because she may very well run for president, excuse me, in 2020. And if she does, that just shows the party moving so far left. They're looking at um, radical uh, Keith Ellison to run the Democratic Party, who, you know, is so far left wing and supports um, radical uh, radical activist groups, Farrakhan and the church uh, there that Farrakhan runs. Just look up that. Um, and if Senator Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, the 74-year-old socialist, which we'll hear from later, if they're the future of the Democratic Party, this is kind of sad. And I think this is what they're moving towards is a democratic populism. And that's more like socialism because, you know, I talk to young people and they say that they believe that they should redistribute money, that the wealthy should have a cap on how much they can earn, even though they earn the money from hard work and they create jobs. And that the way to get people out of the inner cities, which we talked about in length yesterday, is to just give them welfare. That's what you're hearing from them. And Elizabeth Warren is very anti-job. And pro-regulation, and she killed small businesses. Pocahontas! <laughs> Remember that one? It's like a good flashback to the campaign days. Pocahontas! This Elizabeth Warren. I call her Goofy. <laughs> I call her Goofy. Oh, God. Remember the politically incorrect Donald Trump. And But the thing about Trump is that he says what he means, means what he says, and he truly wants to be the best president. But, you know, you get a kick out of some of the funny things he said. Like, I'm reminded of when I drink water every day. Oh, Rubio! <laughs> uh, cracks you up. It's a little bit of nostalgia looking back at that long-winded campaign that we had. But you want to talk about jobs, and I told you yesterday, I keep talking about big league jobs. That is what a recurring theme on my Facebook page. Big league! And... Donald Trump's business policies have provided for an atmosphere of pro-business to lead to jobs. And so here's a perfect example. Today at the White House, Intel CEO Brian Kurzanich announced that the company will invest $7 billion, that's billion with a B, to create innovative, powerful new chips in an advanced Arizona factory that they will invest in. Alongside President Trump in the Oval Office, the Intel CEO said that it wouldn't be possible under the regulatory environment over the past eight years. Intel will create 3,000 direct high-wage, is what the Intel CEO is calling it, direct and high-wage American jobs 
for American innovators. It will also create 10,000 new jobs in support positions. America first. So 13,000 jobs for Americans. Um, Intel has already has most of its manufacturing and uh, research and development in the U.S. So I have a list of 15 things, and you can check that out on my Facebook page. Carrier, SoftBank, Sprint, OneWeb, Ford, Qualcomm, Fiat Chrysler, Toyota, Alibaba, Amazon, Walmart, General Motors, Toyota, Amgen, and Intel. The 15 major companies that are investing in the U.S. that that is now topping $69 billion in investments to create over a million five American jobs. Big league jobs, and that is a recurring Big theme. League. And it wouldn't be possible under the regulatory environment that Elizabeth Warren and her um, cronies there uh, are creating and have created under President Obama. Yes, we had a major collapse, and the banking industry was to blame a little bit. But you can't not allow people to invest, and by tying businesses' hands, you're stifling the economy. So there needs to be fair regulation. It's all about fairness, really. Um, speaking of fairness, healthcare. CNN debate last night, and Ted Cruz um, really dismantled the whole socialism single-payer healthcare argument. And I talked about it yesterday. I killed Republicans yesterday. They're not doing what they told the American people which who voted for Republicans on Election Day. The Democratic Party is dismantled, but they have to keep their promises. And that goes back to health care, affordable health care. Well, here's the argument, the Republican argument, that we can only hope that it produces the results that Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, talks about. Here is Cruz and Bernie Sanders courtesy of CNN last night. You know, there's no group in America, I think, that's been hurt more by Obamacare than young people. Young people were left on the chopping block. Let's talk about some basic stats. A recent study found that the Obamacare mandates, what Bernie just sang an ode to, have increased, the three costliest mandates have increased premiums for younger people by 44%. Without those mandates, the typical 21-year-old would pay $1,100 a year less. If you're 21, think about whether it would be easier to afford health care if it cost $1,100 a year less. And let's talk about some specifics. Before Obamacare, the most affordable plan that was available for a 30-year-old Texan, for a 30-year-old Texan woman was $470 a year. Today, under Obamacare, the cheapest plan that's available for a healthy 30-year-old woman in Fort Worth is $3,236. It's gone from $470 to $3,000, over $3,200. That's why young people are hurting. And yeah, it is. And young people also don't buy health insurance. They rather pay the penalty. They're healthy, a lot of them. It's not smart, but they do it. So all of this money that's supposed to be kind of really redistributed is not being. And that kind of goes to that go, that goes to every, you know, democratic policy when it comes to health care and redistribution of wealth. It just doesn't work. And like if for instance, for um social security Medicare. Not enough people, there aren't enough young people to support the baby boomers. 
that's a major problem right now. And by the way, Medicare, Social Security, and Medicaid, we don't talk enough about that because we talk a lot about um, Social Security, businesses, but that's all tied in with business. And if – I mean that needs to be – the debt right now is almost at $20 trillion, $19 trillion, okay? More debt than all 43 presidents combined, Obama added to the debt. That's a fact. Um, we need to figure out the top three entitlement programs that Americans deserve, but they need to figure that out because we can't afford it. It's, it, it's going uh, to be insolvent. Um, all right. Now, you know, business confidence. We talk about healthcare tied in with businesses. How about this? The Libertarian Think Tank Competitive Enterprise uh, Institute calculates that the annual cost of U.S. regulations on American businesses totals $1.9 trillion. That tops $1.7 trillion collected in federal income taxes in 2014. So $1.9 trillion in regulations, $1.7 trillion collected in income taxes. Where is the logic in that? Um, but business confidence, like I said, is up. Business leaders are confident that Trump can do much better for the economy based on his pro-growth, pro-business policies. And not only is there high cost of these regulations, but the regulations amount to a waste of precious time that small businesses especially could be generating revenue and investing in American workers. Um, last note, then we'll take a quick break, and the Rance Mangum, a U.S. Army veteran, will join us on the phone, and you really don't want to miss that. Um, Trump today was at was speaking in front of uh, law enforcement officials in our nation's capital, and he read this, and I want to leave you with this. 8 U.S. Code 1182F, reason part. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interest of the United States, he may, by proclamation and for such period as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants impose on the entry of aliens uh, any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. That is in the U.S. law. Just to keep in mind. Obviously, the rollout could have been smoother. And you heard in the introduction, um, Trump talking about the courts being so political. Honestly, there are some institutions that should remain apolitical because um, there needs to be some sort of impartiality in our institutions, like education, like the courts. That's so crucial, okay, um, in this politically charged environment all right so that wraps up the first segment today i'm trying to keep it a little bit shorter for you guys um but we will have a u.s army veteran rance mangum coming up so you don't want to miss that uh we did a story on him neilacruiser.com and rance dedicated his life to service and we're going to talk about that we'll check in with him talk about the veterans affairs administration as well and healthcare that veterans receive so that's coming up after the break u.s army veteran rance mangum don't go anywhere we'll be back it's a be a short break 
green light. Hey girl, school zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text, stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up next to you And defend her still today there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA From the lakes of Minnesota It's time to dream big. Neil A. Crusoe tells you what you need to know on the Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast. All right, we're back on the Neil A. Christmas Show podcast. It's one of my favorite songs, by the way. Lee Greenwood, God Bless the USA. And that just leads us into our next segment. Um, as you know, I'm very passionate about veterans. And I talked about it a little bit yesterday um, about uh, Our Heroes Night Out. And um, that's where I met Rance Mangum at the Northport VA on Long Island in New York. And so Rance um, joins us now. Uh, Ranch, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. How's everything going today? Oh, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, just getting things uh, done around, you know, my little apartment and stuff. Um, but everything's going good. Good, yep. good. I'm doing well, and uh, as always, thank you uh, for your service. And I, I always thank you because you know what you guys do is incredible. You protect our nation, and you come back here, and you're not always respected, which is a sin. Um, and so I want to talk to you about several topics um, while I have you here. Um, but, you know, we did a whole story on you. It's on neilacruso.com, and it right. got a lot of reaction. Um, I know somebody from the VA contacted you. Now, tell me, did that expedite um, – at your because um, I know you had some medical claims and you don't have to talk about that publicly um, unless you want to, but that's up to you. Um, what what happened as a result of that? Well, I just wanted to say uh, thank you, Neil, for what you put the story out about vets uh, being homeless and and getting treatment with the vets. But yes, it did help. Some, it helped us some, but. Um, um, 
I just, just uh, it, it happened a lot. I just wanted to appreciate what one of your dog father does. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. Say that again. I'm sorry. I didn't catch that last part. Uh, no, I just wanted to, yeah, what you did and put the story out. It did, it helped a lot of people, not only myself, but I appreciate for what you taught for me, but. Well, I mean, uh, listen, it's my, ple- it's my pleasure. I mean, what, to me, if I could give back in any way and help those who served for, served for us, and there's so much disrespect that it bothers me, that's what keeps me up at night is that you guys protect our sovereignty, and then you don't get respect. So I'm just doing the least. I mean, I didn't stand a post, so you don't have to thank me. I have to thank you. Um, but did any other people were um, helped by it? I mean, what, what can we can we do more of these types of stories? This is what helps veterans because they need to get treatment, and there are, there are about 39,500 veterans homeless every night. Right, right. Well, just like, um, well, a lot of things now is beginning. It's called, the, um, they're putting out what they call the HUD bus. It's, uh, helping, um, it's helping, uh, vets. Um, it's like almost like Section 8, but it's for vets that's in transition and uh, it's homeless. But, well, one thing it is, you know, um, they have to find a apartment and with the government assistance or something like Section 8. But what one thing is, you sometimes best get stuck in a dead end, also like myself, is because, um, uh, you know, uh, SUS had helped me um, get into a room because um, I had left the VA. But then that cuts me off because I'm stuck in a room right now and not a, uh, an apartment. And it's just no way for me to cook or any, anything, you know? Are you back uh, at the VA? I'm sorry? Are you back at the VA? No, no. No, you're um, not. My place, but you know, I have to cook on a hot place. I'm not into an apartment. Right. And um, and because I'm into a room, that cuts me out from the hot bath. Well, let me you ask know, you they this. Figured, they, they, they figured that this is a... Because I got a room, it's a it's a place to stay, and I'm not no longer homeless. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know, I mean, I'm glad you got a place, and that's where we did the interview was um, in that you know right. little place right. that you have. Which hey, it's something. It's better than it's better than living at the Beacon House in Northport. Right, um, right. right. But then it cuts me out from from getting cut best, You know. Which I don't think it's right, you know. I'm stuck in a. a um, well, you see my place. You know, it's no kitchen. Right. You know. So, you know, people serve the country. They come back. They're homeless, and a big part of that, yes, PTSD is a huge part. But another part is trouble being employed. And I know you've had your difficulties with finding a job. Why is it so difficult for veterans to to get a job? Well, for one, it's um, like in, in the military, you can be responsible for millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of equipment and merchandise and stuff. And then you come back out. And um, people don't think that you're qualified um, to handle a couple of thousand dollars of equipment. 
Yeah. You know? Um, they treat you they saying. treat you like a second class citizen even though you're more of a citizen than any of us. Right. Well like they say, you know, people in the in the military we do before before nine o'clock we do more than people do all day. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, that's um, true. <laughs> what time do you get up in the morning? Uh, I'm up mostly sometimes before four o'clock. I see getting up, I get up and exercise and everything, try to keep myself in shape. Uh, you're in incredible shape, uh, much better than I'll ever be. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you you have a remarkable story, and you have such a good head on your shoulders. But there are a lot of veterans that I know you're friends with and you keep in touch with people you served with that right. are not in the best shape. They have a lot of medical issues. We met uh, one at the VA who has uh, a, a rare heart issue that he's actually basically right, being right, run right, by a machine. Right. So you're yeah. fortunate, uh, but there aren't uh, – not everyone is so fortunate, and I think unless you actually go and spend your time, which I know that made your day and other, and other people that were there just enjoyed talking um, with you know people uh, who are regular civilians or something else to talk about um, other than your service, and I wish people gave their time and spent time with you guys. Is that really what's the best medicine for, for some of these veterans? Well, I have one problem, too. It's, um, I have, I have a, like, what, a mess that's exactly on the right side of my head. Yes. And the, some of the, it's, it's, I also have claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. And I can't go into a regular MRI machine. And it's, it's like hard for to find an open uh, MRI. So it's been like, <laughs> um, it's not that I'm scared to go in tight spots. It's just I have claustrophobic and um, I, can't, <laughs> um, I can't go into the regular MRI because I feel closed in and it makes me want to freak out, you know? Um, and I'll probably not go to this. It's a couple of guys. Um, but what they do is they have to, you have to wait until um, they find a place for you to go to outside of the services of the VA. And sometimes it takes um, three weeks to a month, you know? Yeah, it's terrible. Um, I mean, people, uh, you know, literally dying, waiting online. It's, right. uh, it, that pisses me off. Um, and you know, people who you're living with that are going through and you yourself, um, what, what do you think can be done for the healthcare system? Um, our president now says, well, we need to allow veterans to go to any hospital, private, public, whatever they go wherever they want and the government refunds it and it has to refund it quickly. Obviously that's a stretch with the bureaucracy that's involved right now in Washington, but if Ideally, if you could go to any hospital and get your treatment and then the government pays for it, they pick up the bill, would that solve a lot of issues? Yeah, I'm pretty sure because a lot of the hospitals now, uh, the equipment and medicine is um, much more up-to-date than the VA. Uh, the VA, um, is, don't get me wrong, they're... Um, they're very good. Uh, I mean, they're good for their standards. But um, so a lot of the stuff is not 
um, up to date like the regular hospital. So. Right. Yeah. Not not as equipped. Right. 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 By the way, we're just talking. Like to... have a, just like for myself, they don't even have an open MRI. Really? Mm-hmm. And is your equipment old? Like, is there outdated equipment? Well, some of it. They're, they're trying to catch up. I guess they don't have the funding for it. Yeah, that's You know? Um, well, they do have old. the funding. They have a lot of money. They waste it. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not going towards uh, the equipment and stuff for the VA. No, it's not. Um, Rance Mangum is here on the Neil A. Cruz Show podcast. Uh, Rance is a U.S. Army veteran, and we did a story on him. It's on neilacruzo.com if you want to check it out. And, you know, your story is really remarkable because you really dedicated your life to service. And you talked yeah. about your mother and how she inspired you. Um, what keeps yeah. you going every day? Because you gave your whole life, whether you were in the medical field, whether you were standing a post overseas you always served your country what right. what inspired you to to do that and what keeps you going every day well I'm from um, I was born in uh, Jackson Mississippi um, back in the 50s and uh, when uh, segregation and everything I'm 62 years old and my grandmother God bless her soul, Juanita Gilmore. She uh, she inspired me to do the right thing. And uh, I tried, sometimes I, I try to keep myself for what she taught me. So um, by helping people and um, doing the right thing, I was a uh, volunteer fireman in Long Beach for, 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 for a while. And um, I enjoy helping people. And it all goes up for the military. And um, I'm proud to serve for the military. So, um, but it was also important to me by my grandmother. Right. I was it that way. And, you know, Rance, I have to ask you this because, you know, I see every day, you see it on a college campus, you see a lot of um, these protests that turn into riots, and you fought for our, our freedom and our ability to protest, but. A lot of this is is rioting and setting, you know, the camp campuses on fire, and you see Berkeley and all of that. And you know, I listen to some of these young people that are my age, and sadly, I just don't think they get in. I want your opinion because, as a veteran, you know, you had people, you were responsible for people's lives. Given right. that, people who are my age that want free education they want everything handed to them you know um you listen to a lot of these politicians that um you know like bernie sanders or elizabeth warren that you know are uh, talking about um a big government that you know we talk about the va and the bureaucracy that doesn't work there and a lot of these people that are my age complain about everything you know they're they're whiners a lot of them not all of them but there are a good number of them and, and they riot Compared to right. what you went through in the military, are their problems yeah. just nonsense? No, no. I understand the, the, the right to protest and everything, but then you, you got people who uh, sneak in with the regular peaceful people and um, and join in. And then a lot of just like the stuff at Berkeley. 
I don't think it was a lot of the students at Berkeley per se that was um, setting the fires and whatnot. I think it was other people who then got in with the peaceful march and everything. Right. That gets in, starts, uh, starts this stuff. And then the peaceful people who protest and get caught up in it too, and, and they're accused of it. Yeah, I mean, I I just, you know, that basically convolutes their entire message. It's one thing to protest um, peacefully, and then it's another to throw rocks at law enforcement who also protect us here at home, and they have their own battlefield and a set, you know, places of our, you know, they talk about environmental issues. They they set our environment on fire, um, which is not funny, and they are destructive. And then it just convolutes their whole message, and they shut down free speech in their use of free speech. Um, to me, that's you know, if they just knew what someone like you went through, and if they saw, and this is why, and I'm telling you, and I promise you, we're going to continue to tell vet stories like we did with you. Um, I'll be at uh, at an event with you next month, and I plan on talking to veterans, telling their stories because if people understood what people went through with guys like you went through men and women that I think they would be a little bit more brush things off their shoulder. Like some things just don't matter. You know, when, when you're talking about life and death, is that a fair statement? No, that's very fair. That's like the thing. Um, I, you know, I see too, that some of the people burning the flag and whatnot. And they said they had a right to burn because it's their, their right. But a lot of these people who are burning flags never step, never step a day in the, in the military, uh, fit for a hard life to defend the United States of America. You no. know? What does that do to you when someone burns the flag? Um, that's, that's a deprivation of, of our freedom. Just, you know, um, the flag is, 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 is our representative for our country. And um, I don't think it should be burned or stepped on uh, anything to to destroy. That's my feel. So do you, you think know? that shouldn't be protected? I know President Trump has said that he doesn't think that should be a protected uh, free speech right. It obviously is, has been ruled in the Supreme Court. Do you think that people should be arrested for burning the flag? Yeah. I agree with you. I'm totally with you. Well, um... I'm, I don't see what does that represent. Uh, as as what does it do? But put down the United States by burning a flag. It has it has no. Uh, it has it, it doesn't do nothing. What does it represent for burning a flag? What I don't does know. it do? I don't know. There's no message. They're anarchists, really. Right. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't. It, it just something else you're destroying. You know. And, yeah. and that's a part of our our, our country. They, it represents the United States. When that flag flies high, I mean, our spirits and, and our morals are high. Our values are high. It represents the United States. Yeah, they don't get uh-huh. it. Um, but, uh, Rance, let's leave on a high note. I I know you love you love football, um, and you uh, played multiple sports growing up. Um, the Super Bowl wasn't that an incredible game on Sunday. I had um, put Tom Brady away. I put him in a bed <laughs> at uh, halftime. And um, 
I was going with Atlanta. I had posted on my Facebook as you seen. Yeah. Um, I put him to bed. That was one of the greatest comebacks. Uh, you have to give it to Tom Brady. You have. To. You can never and, count and, him out. Uh, New England um, Patriots. You have to give it to him. Um, I don't see how. Well, I do see how uh, New England won, but uh, it was unexpected. I, I'm, like I said, I had put um, New England to bed. And you, you know? were and you were in Atlanta, right? You were at your son's house. No, 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 no. I was, I was telling you. No, I was, I was here. Uh, my son lived in Long Beach. Oh, okay. But, um, I, I misunderstood that then. No, you're right. I was going for Atlanta. I was a hard. Um, yeah. I, 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 they, they wanted to. Um, this year, um, matter. I see that he, he did a real good. Um. um season for me. But of course they're going to give it to Tom Brady because uh, of his comeback and everything. Right, but if you yeah. look at the stats, if you look at the stats of uh, Ryan and Brady, you, if you just go by the stats and not just, well, you have to give it some time for the MVP. Uh, yeah, no, it's NFL. close. Yeah, it was <laughs> um one of the best games but, I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but I also thought that the Cowboys were going to be there. <laughs> and, <laughs> I know. And Green Bay put them down, you know? Well, that's the that's the beauty of football is that any Sunday it could be something different. And uh, football is a good, you know, it's a good release. I know we could talk about politics and we, we have a lot. Um, but, right. you know, off, off the record talking about politics. But um, right. at least sports gives a nice distraction, right? Right, right. Well, like I said, and this also was the first time um, an overtime game was for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. I was surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 51, 51 Super Bowls, and that's the first time was overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. You can never count Brady out. I talked about on the podcast earlier this week about him just having a winning mentality. You know, I mean, the guy um, was a six-round draft pick. He told the owner, I'm the best decision you ever made in a really cocky way. And they kept him on as a fourth-string quarterback. And he's just – he's a winner, and he's got the chip on his shoulder all the time. I don't think you could teach that. Well, you got Mr. Belichick there, which is an unbelievable coach, too. Yeah. If if you noticed on the Super Bowl, this guy's a coach. During the Super Bowl, this was the first time I've seen this guy – coaching, went back to the bench and was coaching during the Super Bowl, coaching, talking to guys, yeah. telling them their mistakes, showing them stuff on, on the tablets and stuff, well, telling them play. And, and uh, I have to, you have to give it to Belichick. Sure, it's also to Tom Brady, Tom Brady but um, Mr. Belichick, he, um, he was coaching during that Super Bowl. And whatever he said to, the, to New England at halftime, it worked. Because uh, I had put New England to bed before the second half. I think we and all did. He, yeah, and whatever he said to them at halftime or whatever he did, uh, when it came out, it came out of fire, though. You know what I'm saying? I know. And then did you hear what Belichick said after the game? He said, um, uh, we're five weeks behind every other team. <laughs> He's already gone to next season. Well, 
you, you never know what to expect out of him because he changed up a plan and within and he uses people he uses his guys that other teams have thrown away. You know? Yep. And he comes you get these guys that other teams have thrown away and he comes to New England and these guys just bang out and they have a great season. You know? So you never can um I found this out. I never put New England to bed. <laughs> no, no, I'll never count them out either. As long as Brady and Belichick um, are the tandem there, um, Rance. Well, I yep. figured that he probably got another two years, and then because um, this this year he he's forty. He won't, you know. So I don't, I don't think Tom uh, Brady will play over two more years. Really, I I think so, if he doesn't get hurt, I think he could play to forty-five. He's going to be forty next season. Right, right, right. It's well, unbelievable. He's healthier than a horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. But his girls is getting big. He did most of everything he's done. He, he, and him and Bradshaw is the only one that what five rings. Yeah, five rings. He lost twice to the Giants. Right. So. That's what I'm saying. And he, this can put him over the top. Oh yeah, now he's <laughs> the best of all time now. Yeah. So um, I don't think he's he's he's. He's getting too old to get hit. I yeah, he's also that. he's also not that strong, believe it or not. He looks like, you know, when he's just in a press conference, he looks like he never even hit the weight room. <laughs> yeah, but he was getting hit this year, though. Um, and, and, and to, to make you realize stuff, you let him ask Ron Moon. Because <laughs> Ron Moon played till he was 41, you know? Yeah. And, um, so, um... That's what I'm saying. I don't think he'll go out about it. He'll probably stay around about two years. Yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, it's all about health in the NFL, but uh, you would know better than anyone with that. Um, Rance Mangum, I have to let you go because we're we're going up uh, up to an hour on the show. Um, but yeah, listen. I appreciate, I appreciate you, Neil. I appreciate you too and everything you do, and we're going to stay in touch and um, – Anytime you're welcome to come on. We're going to reach out to Carol, too. Carol Klein runs Our Heroes Night right, Out. Right, right, right. Um, and we'll, we'll get her on the show. To, I look also forward to seeing you on the third, right at the FW in Palmondale, right? Yes. Is that a uh, public event? Can anyone buy tickets, do you know? or? Um, it's, it's, the BFW does a lot for the organization. So do Carol. Carol is a good person. Um... She helps our best through Northport, and um, she sets up organ helps sets up with organizations. So if I was your, um, I don't know her number right offhand, but the next time you're on, um, I would tell Jiffy, uh, um, you know, if it's all right with her, she does a lot for the veterans. Yeah, I'm going to give her a call and and have her on the podcast. I think that um, anyone could go, but I'm not positive. But, you know, regardless, you said it anyway. March 3rd, um, I'll be there at the uh, VFW uh, out on Long Island just doing my part. And anyone anyone is welcome to help out. I mean, you know, all of these vets, they fight for our freedom. You heard Rance. They fight for our freedom, our sovereignty, um, and they need our support in any way we can help out. I would, you know, the best thing I know you told me is spending your time. Um, and, you know, I, I know you're, um, you know, on and off with work, and it's really tough for veterans getting employment. So the best thing is, I guess, helping you guys out. You need food and just the basics, really, right? That's right, guys. Um, believe it or not, 
sometimes it's it's, um, it's hard to get into um, certain things to make make your life um, more easier. Yeah. So um, so listen. I'm gonna... for... Go I'm ahead. Sorry? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm saying to send. And I appreciate the people who put put their put their time and effort into helping out the vets. So I just want to thank the people who does so. Yeah, and please do. I mean, we're, we have rants on because you know we're talking about very uh, you know very important things. This is the backbone of our country, um, and these grassroots organizations like Our Heroes Night Out are the best because you actually connect with the veterans. It's not just sending a donation. Um, Carol said in in the piece that we did on my website, she said we don't want your money. We want your time, um, and that's right. you know that's a that's the best gift that you could give and um as a thank you and really to um to support you guys because you uh you need help you helped us we should we should do our part to give back so anyone that wants to either help ransom you've heard ransom story help other vets out reach out to me personally you could um go on to my website there's a contact form or on my facebook page twitter it's all at neil a caruso if you do that um get in contact with me i'll make sure that everything goes Directly to ransom, we'll even uh, if you're in the New York area, we could set up a you know a meeting. Um, you know, especially young kids out there. You know, I think it's a great lesson for kids to understand um, the value of everything that it means to be an American and hard work, and you know, not get caught up in complaining and crying and uh, blaming others for your work because you take responsibility. Because right. if you don't take responsibility, you don't survive. It's survival out there, right? That's correct. That's correct. All right. Rance Mangum, U.S. Army veteran, thank you so much for spending the time with us, and um, we'll talk soon, all right? Okay. And you have a good evening, Mr. Mill. You too, Rance. Have a good night. Good night. All right. That is Rance Mangum, U.S. Army veteran. Just an incredible story. I mean, honestly, I told him that we would probably only go about um, 10 minutes or so, uh, but you know, you hear his story and you talk to him and you really get a feel for what it's like to be out there in combat and, you know, not know what's going on back home. Um, you know, all I mean, just imagine you're standing a post and your life is in danger every day and you have other lives in your hands. Um, it's incredible. So, you know, when you hear President Trump talk about our veterans and the great men and women who fight for our country, we will make America great again. He means it. All right, Trump is in military school. He understands. And if you just give our country a chance, and you heard him about burning the flag, I'm with him. That pisses me off to no end. Someone burning the American flag for what people like Rance fought for. So um, let me give you the website, by the way, before we wrap things up here. Um, MismatchTheClown.com. Uh, M-I-S-Match-The-Clown.com, MismatchTheClown.com. Uh, it's how to get in contact with Carol Klein and Our Heroes Night Out. Um, you get in contact with me, NeilACaruso.com, my last name, by the way, C-A-R-O-U-S-S-O.com. Uh, Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, at Neil A. Caruso. Find me. Contact us on NeilACaruso.com uh, if you want to help out our veterans, and I'll put you in contact with the right people and get exactly what you want to donate, your time. Uh, you want to donate some goods. I wouldn't donate money. I would donate your time or donate food 
water. If you want to do that, get involved and, and give back, uh, I will help you. So, uh, again, NeilAcurser.com, MismatchTheClown.com. Uh, big thank you to Rance Mangum, U.S. Army veteran, for coming on the program today. Uh, we will be back with another podcast tomorrow, and who knows what uh, the world of uh, the politics and the Trump administration will deliver for us when it comes to Thursday. Today's Wednesday. Big snowstorm coming to the Northeast. So stay cozy tomorrow. Get some hot chocolate. Uh, don't play with Play-Doh, but hot chocolate. <laughs> stay indoors, and we'll have a podcast for you tomorrow. And check out my website as well. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.